Uh, why are you, why, why do you have a, a Binance bucket hat? What the hell? So I went to a festival this whole weekend and I'll probably put up some video, but Binance was a huge sponsor. So I went and hit them up. Binance was the sponsor of a, of, of a festival in Bogota? Of a music festival. Yeah. A music festival. It wasn't like crypto. It wasn't like, these are sound bites created by NFT artists. It was... <laughs> No, 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 no. They were so some of the some of like the biggest names in Spanish music were here. Um, really, like Cypress Hill played. Yep. Oh, it's Damian a, Marley. Now Aussie wouldn't know anything about that. No. Insane no. in the membrane. No. It's insane. Got no brain, right? Cypress Hill. Come on, insane in the membrane. Oh my God, what is wrong with you people? Aussie no, no. doesn't know Smashing Pumpkins. Cypress Hill. No, Aussie doesn't know any of these things. It's okay. Aussie lives in the country music little corner of, of the world and is happy, okay? Oh, <laughs> yeah, is happy with country music and milk kind, milk cows. <laughs> so that sounds like it was fun. So, like, you get a free bucket hat or did you buy a bucket hat? No, I had to. So I went over to their, like, activation. You know, everyone has a tent and there's just a bunch of merch. And if you spend your time at the festival going from like activation to activation, you can just get merch. Just think of it like the permission list where you can just go around and talk to people. So yeah. I didn't have on my phone that I have, I don't have, and I, I guess I still could log in, but I don't have a way to get in right now to my Binance.com because now, because yeah. a US citizen, so I need to set that up with my Colombian citizenship. So they were kind of giving me a hard time, but I'm like, look, like I can't do that here. So anyways, I was able to talk to them and I'm trying to make contact with them because I want to, see what they're up to here and see where their collaboration points um, because Binance is pretty big. They've got a pretty good foothold in Latin America and in Colombia. So well, I, um, I don't yeah. know who I said this to, and we all know because we say it all the time to each other, you know, and in Austin, we noticed it too. Um, nearly every big project has a remote worker or remote office in Bogota. And, um, and I don't know who we were talking to about this, but they were like, Oh no, here, let me just switch. But they were like in Bogota. And, um, I was like, yeah, I mean the, when you think about like, where else are you going to go in Latin America to launch into the rest of Latin America? Caracas? No way. Um, Argentina's weird right now. Panama city. That's central America. It's different. Yeah, right. but pa Aussie's right. Panama City is really strategic. It's also dollarized. So like it is, True. it is good, but like, it's not South America. Correct. So, um, but basically Panama city or Colombia would be the two places where I think you'd want to have your headquarters. And that's why there yeah. is so much happening in Bogota. And yeah. in fact, there's two, two blockchain conferences coming up in October here that I'm going to see Jeez. if I can get on stage at, um, I, I have to pull some strings, but I'd love to get up and even just talk about Bitcoin mining. Um, that is something that has always seems to be forgotten in web three and crypto and in blockchain and just the whole okay. thing. No, I've got to I've got to share a story because this came up on Decentralized News this week and it killed me. What? Let's do it. The Venezuelan government raided one of their like one of their biggest prisons that's controlled like notoriously by this big gang, and okay, <laughs> like eleven thousand like it took eleven thousand people from like Venezuelan armed forces raiding this place and they had like a mini zoo like you know your classic Pablo Escobar like prison okay and guess what they also found bitcoin miners 
Oh my and we're god! Mi- really? In the prison, we're mining Bitcoin in prison. Oh my god! And so it's actually amazing. Better margins than most people because they were milking the prison's electricity. So, oh. <laughs> so this is like it's not forgotten. Bitcoin mining is not forgotten in South America. No, 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 it's not forgotten. And you're right. I mean, there's like that classic story of that high school janitor or i think he was he like had all these miners up in the rafters at a high school yeah. or whatever but i'm just saying like you know at permissionless there was little to no conversations about bitcoin that were had i had very few um obviously i know it's web3 more nft more like ethereum solana cardano more like how are we there was building no on cardano. top of this there stuff was zero cardano there there was uh, no i was having cardano this conversation there. in doc uh because we were working in this whole portfolio building exercise and mm-hmm. we were like the ecosystems that were there were ETH and its layer twos, yes. a little bit of Solana, and I met a decent number of Atom or Cosmos creators. There was no Cardano ADA. XRP was there uh, with their booth, but that was it. There was no one else inside of those booth people building on XRP. You had a little bit of Hedera, but like outside of those three blockchains, there wasn't a massive presence from any other layer ones. Mm. Mm. No, there there wasn't. But you know, when I think about you getting on stage, Jarrett, like you should get on stage and you know, this bilingual content you've been doing for crypto, I think is huge. And to the public who might see this later, um, just as content creators were super curious about this, like I've thought about just doing Hindi subtitles. You're already doing Latin American. And I'm like, what if I just started doing Hindi subtitles and just let AI create it and let it go? But what I'm thinking is if you could get on the stage and just hook them, your hook is what English-speaking Americas are missing about Latin American and crypto. And like as much as I've been hearing, not just through you, I think my radar has been up because of you about Bogota, but like, I'm trying to think, I think I heard of no less than three separate pot projects. They're like, yeah, we have a, we have some employees in Bogota and basically they had a remote worker or a VA, but it's still a foothold in the footer of their website to say, oh, we've got a, you know, we've got an office there or something like that. And the more you talk about it, I told, I told Marissa, I was like, I think I might just do like a four day trip down there and just scout like What's going on? And just start creating that relationship with, well, I mean, with you, but with South America and going, if I were to launch anywhere in South America, I never, as a kid growing up, I never would have first thought of Bogota. But now you think of like Chile and it's like Chile is probably a pretty chill country, generally speaking. It's like, well, in Northern Chile, you could still be generally centralized, but like there's a, there's like a port city somewhere in Chile that I was seeing that had a big bay. And I was like, well, that kind of could be a cool remote worker city. I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but Bogota just makes sense. Maybe Ecuador, Quito. I don't know anything. What's going on in Quito? Uh, Ecuador's got a lot of geopolitical issues. And from a safety standpoint, I would, if you're just looking at like coming down to like dive in, I would, I would choose Colombia over Ecuador right now. They just had a, presidential candidate who was assassinated oh and things have been pretty i I haven't even heard that yeah i mean it was it was it was fairly big news also because apparently it was some the people that were were that were excuse me rounded up were colombians um the way ecuador colombia and venezuela all play like together in the northern 
the northeastern hemisphere is always a long history because it used to be one country it used mm. to be called Gran, Gran Colombia under Spain and that's why all the flags look the same except for like one little thing that they changed Interesting. so and Panama used to be part of Colombia so like this thing used to be landmass the size of probably brazil and then yeah. it got broken up into three different ones but yeah i mean grant you know you can come down whenever you want the flights cool. are really cheap you could get a down and back and for probably 250 300 bucks if you played it right and when you're here things are pennies on the dollar relative to your living expenses so i mean i i'm here because i want to be here but it's really turning out to be a strategic place in latin yes. america yes and i was actually watching this thing on the economist this morning and i'll share it with you guys it's about the Argentine peso and basically their crazy inflation. And I really, 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 really worry for that country. I don't know. There's no easy fixes with where they are in their hyperinflation trajectory. And I don't yeah. really know what's happening. And like their new president who's super bullish on Bitcoin, I think that's great. Do I think some of his other policies are going to work? I'm like, I don't know. You know, the, the first president that gets chosen in the world outside of Nayib Bukele, who didn't run on that, he became president and then said, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. But the first president that runs on that in like a bigger country or a bigger, because uh, El Salvador, unfortunately, just doesn't have the GDP to kind of be in this conversation. But Argentina is a very big country and it has a pretty big economy on the, on the global stage. Yeah. So if they were to choose him and the people are basically to push against a central bank, that would be a massive, massive shift uh, in the history of like this conversation around centralized banking and inflation of fiat currencies. So, but I'll, I'll share that with you guys because I find it to be fascinating. And I will say, we were just talking offline about places we want to go. London, I've still never been. I'd love to go. I want to go yeah. see my team play. Dubai, I really want to go. And I want to get down to Buenos Aires because I need to see what's going on there. I really, I, I read some tweets out that Peter McCormick had shared a while back when he was down there from uh, what Bitcoin did. Mm -hmm. And he was just saying, you know, and I, and I put him up on more than blockchain, but he's like, as much of a maxi as I am, I have to realize that there are other things that really play a part in this ecosystem, one of them being stable coins. Because yeah. for a lot of maxi stable coins is just one step away from a CBDC, which is, oh, this crazy tyrannical control of everything, right? But he's like, no, like you need this stuff to like use day to day. Like not everyone's yes. just on Bitcoin Lightning and you yeah. need all these other things. And he called that Tether specifically. So Buenos Aires would also be something for all of us to check out. It's very far away. That is the one caveat. It, yeah. is, it is as south as Boston is north or Toronto is north. Um, but once you get there, it's very cheap. But getting there can be a thousand plus on a ticket. Um, but all that's to say, I do think I'm very bullish on Latin America. My, my bull case is Latin America and Africa for overall just, um, grass, uh, grassroot adoption. It's not going to happen like it is in the States and in Canada and other places of kind of wealth where it's more of a speculative thing. People are going to actually need to use it to survive. So, yeah, you know, you know, you often, you as a maxi, um, we have fun dynamics here and I always push back and real estate and this, that, or the other. But, you know, as we're talking about this, if I were actually living in either Bogota or Argentina, making the case, you, you make the case, say, for example, to get off the U.S. dollar because of hyperinflation or inflation, and it's almost hyperinflation, and and get to get off the U.S. dollar and start using Bitcoin. And it's like, uh, yeah, I get it, but there's still risk. The risk doesn't match it's not in, it's not true hyperinflation enough yet for me to make that actually makes sense and get rid of my liquidity or the dollarization around me right doesn't make sense but to go to a country like Argentina it does kind of make just like I would with 
I'd be looking at global currencies and go, well, maybe it would make more sense to have the British pound or the Kenya pound or some other currency to transfer my US dollar to that. And then it, you know, Argentina moving against that foreign currency a little more aggressive and the spread starts to make more sense. It does make sense, the case of going to Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency that's stable tends to make more sense when there's runaway hyperinflation. So I know we've talked about that, but it's now I'm kind of thinking, well, yeah, we could go to Argentina and wait, if I did get rid of the US dollar, I might get an extra two, three, four percent of inflationary advantage in arbitrage by being in Bitcoin when I think about Argentina. And it's like that might start to push into enough of an arbitrage that now it really starts to make more sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes total sense, sense a lot, but yes. It makes total sense that you said sense a lot. Um, C-E-N-T-S and S-E-N-S-E. But I, I'm really not pushing for anyone to get off the U.S. dollar. Um, I think if you are going from the U.S. dollar into Bitcoin, then I think that that's an uber privilege because most of the rest of the world is just trying to get to the U.S. dollar or the euro. And the people that are really privileged are the people that are already in the United States making the dollar or making the euro or the sterling pound, and then they're turning those, or honestly, the Canadian dollar. Maybe the Australian dollar also pretty holds up pretty well. But those, when you're going from there into crypto, that's a luxury. Um, when most people here are just like in, the, in, in Bogota, for example, they would love to get paid in dollars. In fact, now that I'm here, my geotag is here on my phone. I get all these ads, and there's this one woman who keeps popping up, and she's like, do you want to work from home and make dollars? I used to think it was a dream, and now I do that, and I make $500 a month. And like $500 a month here working from home is pretty, it's like, you know, you can, you can pay the bills. You can, you can do okay. Um, mm. And so most people are hunting for the dollars, but I think the real privilege is if you're taking your dollars and you're saying, you know what, this thing's the next up to die. Let me get into Bitcoin. But I do think it's interesting to think about going down to Argentina, having, you know, the wallet of Satoshi, having some money, having $1,000 in a lightning wallet, going to exchange that, you may actually get more love for exchanging the Bitcoin than you would if you had that same economic value in dollars. Now, that's not something I, I'm sure of. I could probably find out by talking to some people down there, but yeah. that would be a great little thing just to have. So yeah. you're traveling around and you're like, you know what? I know I have my seed phrase written down somewhere and it's like, if I ever need it, I'm, I'm good. Because like a thousand bucks in BA yeah. right now is probably take you a couple months. Now you say, you use the word privilege. It's a privilege. And I hear that, but you know, the capitalist in me hears, oh no, it's arbitrage. It, that that's literally <laughs> you say privilege I say arbitrage you know uh, but one has a moral code or like you know moral implications the other <laughs> okay let's talk about moral implications yeah yeah go, let's talk go. about Ben Armstrong okay <laughs> you've been chomping oh at the bit to change dude. to this yeah. man yeah Aussie's like, done with go, currencies I, I was like we've done currency we've okay. done hyperinflation oh enough so, so what happened with this. Have any of you guys seen the video of him? Oh, I've been watching video. videos. It's the, okay. I even tweeted today. What did I tweet? It wasn't staged. You, like this isn't staged. This isn't like. It, no, mean, this this really happened to him. This really. I was watching it last night, where he gets like, he's live streaming, and it's kind of like tough to tell what's going on. And you're pretty sure he's talking to an officer because all of a sudden he like kind of gets his I'm talking to a police officer face on oh, and then he has to put wow. his phone down and they're like, who's in the car? And he doesn't want to say it out loud. And then you know who it is because he has this mistress. So then he says she's in the car, whatever. He gets arrested. I've seen the other video where he was like on the person's ring camera going up to the house. Cause he's like trying to get his Lambo back. 
I just tweeted, dear Lord, please never let me stream my downfall a la Ben Armstrong. Oh <laughs> yeah. And like this, he was clearly like high on, or he was clearly on something. Yeah. Really? We're, we're not sure. Yeah. No one knows what, but lots of rumors <sighs> going around. He was clearly high. There was a gun in the back seat. Stop this. Yes. He was and driving around high with a gun. Yes, and his mistress. And his mistress. Like, literally. So, so I've also said new game. Every time there's new BitBoy news, stack sats, you'll likely be wealthy soon in Bitcoin. Um, (laughs) I've saved some of the tweets that that he shared, and I'm just going to bring them up and read them out loud. Oh, my god! Because I don't even know, like, what to say. He said nine hours ago, in all seriousness, I'll be back on the show tomorrow like normal. I have PTSD from what TJ has done to me, number one. Number two, my company has been stolen. Number three, I was extorted for my Lambo. Number four, I'm angry about all of it beyond angry. Number five, the only thing exceeding the anger is the hurt. He goes on to say a bunch of other stuff, a, a bunch of other things. And then there's one really weird one he had. He said, here's the point and listen. I understand if some of y'all won't accept it. I'm not getting rid of Cassie, period, his mistress. My own friends and family lied and manipulated me in the worst ways to accomplish their goal of breaking us up, his mistress. And I will never give them what they want, never. And this goes on for a long time. And I could, if you want to go through it, but the guy's basically having a nightmare on Elm Street, a.k.a. X. And (laughs) I don't understand, like... I'm going to make videos about this because the video of him standing in front of a Lambo with like a Gucci, whatever, Gucci fanny pack. It's like Gucci a, fanny pack and tracksuit. I'm just like, don't listen to these people. Please don't listen. This, to this sounds people. almost like a, like a, um, uh, heart, the hex guy. Um, Richard Hart, Richard Hart. Yeah. Just mm. like the photos of him walking around with the bling. I, I, I honestly, I gotta be honest. Like, I'm hurting for this guy. This guy is so lost. He's calling out. He, he needs some serious help. He needs to probably someone take away his, his Twitter, his ex for a while, and he just needs to go to a retreat. I mean, yeah, like you think about detoxes. It's like, well, I'm not even like just trying to keep the show alive like or, or trying to keep the story together. And it's like, why don't we not focus on any of that, like the narrative? Let's, let's focus on some decisions. Someone take away his phone? Like, you need to take away his phone, like, take away all internet access, and just, like, lock him in a dark room for, like, two weeks. So, so what does this do for the show, digit- though? Oh. Well, his show's continuing. Or, or, or his personal show or BitBoy Crypto? BitBoy Crypto. BitBoy Crypto continues on. TJ and the other guys, they're creating content. I mean, I, I follow BitBoy Crypto on Instagram. They're creating content. They're they're pushing forward. And over the last like year and a half, the show got much bigger than Ben, and it involved all these other people. TJ was one of them. And you know, the show moves on. He's lost the actual IP of BitBoy Crypto, as far as I understand. Oh, wow. even though apparently he's still he never owned the copyright on that. Even though apparently he still owns seventy around seventy percent of the LLC, which I don't really understand how that works. This is what he said on a live a couple weeks ago. So it's a very interesting thing to to see what's gonna happen. But that's tough, man. I don't wish that on anybody. I really don't like like I feel weird even laughing about it. It's just it's it's so obviously going the wrong way for Yeah. Him. So I wanted to bring that to kind of move us to an even more evolved discussion because okay. The the SEC 
has said that they're continuing to go after uh, exchanges and to get ready because more people, uh, more exchanges are going to start feeling the pain. Uh, And he specifically even says that exchanges that are so-called decentralized are going to be targeted too because they aren't decentralized. So, um, so it's kind of so what does that so what does that mean for you, Aussie? Does it does that mean Sushi Swap, Apex Pancake? Pro, Pancake Uni? Swap, Uni. and Sushi Swap? You've got th- those are probably your like four four big kind of dexes that are like I mean the CEO of Uniswap was speaking at Permissionless. Uh, there's you've got maybe Who's the even arbiter of. A decentralized, like, what is the standard that a an exchange is actually considered decentralized? Who knows? But wait, whoa, we should have an answer for this. Like, like, shouldn't this be an obvious answer? Like, you would think, but we still well, don't even okay. know what a security is in crypto. So, well, uh, no, I, can't I mean, really tell I you. mean, us, like us, like, our, like, like our definition of what what it means. Use, to be yeah, Web three people, Web three natives. What is our working definition of a decentralized exchange? That's a great question. Uniswap, Uniswap would technically be considered a DEX. Most people would consider that a decentralized exchange mm-hmm. because and why anyone can upload, like, add a contract for trade and create a liquidity pool on Uniswap without permission. Uh, so it, it needs to be permissionless, non-KYC, essentially is what you're saying. That's two of those. I mean, those are two factors. And then generally anyone can contribute to the liquidity pools or, or and take part in governance through the Uni token or whatever. So um, like with a centralized exchange, all of the liquidity is owned by the centralized exchange on Uniswap the liquidity is owned either by projects and even if it's owned by projects, usually um, individual wallets can still contribute to deepen that uh, liquidity pool. They can contribute to the LP. So, and anybody can create an LP. So this is kind of the three major characteristics of a decentralized exchange. The other thing that, I would say define DEXs now, but I don't think should define DEXs in the future is that they use the AM, AMM model. So auto, automated uh, management, uh, automated price, market yeah, market making. So it mm-hmm. basically just trades with the LP um, and determines the price based on the LP rather than a fixed Oracle price. So uh interesting that's that's right now a definition of a dex but i don't think necessarily needs to be the definition of the deck of a dex in the future and why not because i amm like liquidity and managing price based on amm liquidity is a flawed system it's really sketchy it's a really flawed system in terms of managing liquidity and managing price on an asset and is prone to creating massive arbitrage opportunities. So yes, you've got mev bots that go arb, uh, go arb these different uh, pools. Whoa, whoa, but, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, For the layman out there, say that last sentence in English, please, yeah, my brother. Yeah, Aussie just ASMR'd <laughs> me to sleep. <laughs> wait, wait, say that again. Say that sentence again. So and- mev bots. So they're um, 
they're basically a very high speed, high frequency trading bot that aims at basically moving large volumes of money between two different liquidity pools to make sure that their prices stay in line. So if you have a USDC ETH pool and a USDT ETH pool, it'll either, if someone sells ETH into the USDT pool, it will pull USDC from the, uh, from the USDC pool, convert it to USDT, and move it into the ETH, uh, to the USDT pool to make sure that the USDT price matches the USDC price uh, by basically manipulating how much is in the liquidity pool. And uh, MEV attacks are specific to Ethereum, correct? MEV attacks, they attack, well, attacks are specific to Ethereum. Those are like very specific types of um, liquidity, attempt liquidity drains. But MEV bots in and of themselves don't necessarily need to be attacked, and they can be run on any platform, any uh, any kind of uh, blockchain. Okay, MEV stands for Minor Extractable Value, which refers to the additional profits miners can potentially make by including, excluding, or reordering transactions on the block. So this is what happened with the curve thing and Coinbase. If if MEV or if this is a different definition. So basically for the layperson out there, what's supposed to happen is if I do a transaction for $10, Jarrett does a transaction for 100 and Aussie does a transaction for 200 chronologically that's supposed to enter the block. But an MEV is when an exchange basically prioritizes Aussie's transaction because they can get that money sooner. So Aussie's $200 transaction will pull higher fees. And so when the hack of the Curve Wars had like a $75 million like transaction, Coinbase's node automatically prioritized that. And that, that MEV basically, if and so in, in essence, um, th this is interesting that they're using this in, in DEXs. But I guess it makes sense. And and if I were Gensler, I'd say, hey, that that shouldn't be because basically it's breaking the rules. And like you said, Aussie, massive opportunities for arbitrage. Said another way, there's economic incentive in the current setup to hack and, and it just extract tons of uh, uh, micro spreads, but it's spread across a crazy amount of unregulated money and so yeah like i think it has to happen so here's my question this is going to be the end of dexes as we know it if if they start pulling the trigger why do you uh, at that? least the popular ones huh i mean why wouldn't they just move overseas i don't think it's going to be the end i think most of this stuff well, is like no but they can be geo-blocked that's the whole thing is it doesn't matter if they move overseas they can be geo-blocked to the u.s and considering that most trading yeah, yeah. Volume okay, okay, is okay. still from the U.S., especially on DEXs, then you, you get into a whole whole scenario. You do. I just okay. I wanted to call that out then because that's a super yeah. We could US VPN comment. Yeah. Which oh, sense. our girl. Oh, our girl showed up. Hey, hey. What I miss? Uh, everyone, this 
you, uh, you didn't miss much. I mean, actually, you missed actually, us. you missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, we covered we covered why Bogota is the destination in Latin America and how the, how Binance sponsored a festival. You we missed Bitboy Crypto having a gun in his back seat. <laughs> With his, he's Ben Armstrong his, now. His, he does not want to be called Bitboy Crypto anymore. Oh, that's right, Mr. Ben Armstrong. His name is Ben Armstrong. Has it right in his profile, Grant? Yeah, come on, Grant. <laughs> and his mistress in the car. And then we were just deliberating. So you could probably weigh in on this. If Gensler really does go after these dexes, and if the I, you know, if we're geo blocked in the in the West or the United States from accessing these dexes. What what will happen to I guess degen culture? Well, not only just degen culture, but could could the attack on dexes and the that potential massive drop in liquidity? Because if you're a U.S. It's a death spiral, it's a death spiral for in a major way because U.S. companies and U.S. individuals are probably responsible for a significant part of liquidity and LPs on all of these different DEXs. And so if you, all of a sudden you're a US citizen and you're geo-blocked, that's, you're, you're losing a whole what bunch you, of liquidity. And so you're talking magic question, Jackie? spreads. I'm not familiar about Gensler's attack on the DEXs. I missed, must have missed this one in the news. Where Recap where, the, the, the high level there, Aussie. Uh, basically, he made a massive statement about a week ago saying that the attack on exchanges and on DEXs aren't isn't done and that he's they are going to be pursuing more more dexes and more exchanges uh before the end of the year so uh he talked about specifically going after decentralized exchanges that are not actually decentralized so this was kind of a big oh, moment because you, or sorry never mind going <laughs> <laughs> keep going <laughs> never mind me <laughs> so uh, in in one sense like that could make a major a major attack on liquidity and the ability to actually move money around on for u.s citizens but also just in terms of anybody because if a liquidity pool gets shallower so there's less total volume in that liquidity pool your arbitrage spreads your spreads get larger and so people are not going to want to conduct uh, transactions because it's going to actually cost them a lot more to conduct those transactions. Or instead of buy, being able to buy ETH with a fraction, like maybe two cents in potential change in value, they might be talking at $5 because of shallow liquidity. Yeah. Let me ask this question to all three of you. Um, and, and I'll answer first. How many of you, and, and we won't say today because we're pleading the Fifth Amendment, how many of us in the peak DGEN altcoin world four years ago, three years ago, used VPNs uh, to, to trade? I did for sure. Hands down. Are you sorry, you guys? I never did. He's Colombian, so he's fine. No, no, I don't even have this stuff set up here to even do that. I'm trying to get that done so I don't have to worry about good old Uncle Sam, but... I've never done that. I mean, I just, I, I, I never went down. I never went so degen. I needed a VPN. Jackie. Uh, I use VPNs for other reasons, but I have never done it to do anything that I thought was 
even potentially. It was never. It was, I'm too clean. I mean, honestly, I have too much of a, like a reputation at stake to like, you know, DJ put it at risk for a freaking coin or token for, for the Elon Elon Inu yeah, for for a thousand yeah. X. So, yeah, well, and, and so <laughs> I, I never win. So I I, I don't win scratch offs. I don't win football pools. So you know, I don't play. <laughs> like dj coins either <laughs> yeah man well you know i because i'm i'm starting to really i said this on one of our shows somewhere i don't even remember where but i believe dgens are financial hackers in the way we know web hackers from the 80s and 90s and as everything became institutionalized in just web tech, web one and web two, they just went and ended up getting jobs at big corporations, but in their heart, in the background, kind of like Neo at night still hacking, you know? I mean, I believe that's what I consider DGENs for financial hacking. And it's been the Wild West, just like the 80s was the Wild West for hackers. And this parallel really resonates deeply with me. And so when I hear you say this, Aussie, it confirms, man, DJ and culture is going to go so underground. They're going to get institutional jobs, but we'll still be able to trade. And so my question is, is when you're talking about shallow liquidity pools and, and, uh, and Jackie, you're our canary in the coal mine on some of this because you've said time and again, you know, you're not as familiar with tokens and alts in DeFi as much as you are blockchain. Um, so any questions you have, I think would be welcome, but people don't realize there's a series of logics that when you have a shallow liquidity pool, spreads get wider and it, it's nuttier. So I actually think there might be an opportunity for true DGENs to actually make better spreads, at least for a short period of time. No, because the MEV bots that we were talking about, those can actually be deployed by DEXs and by people to automatically like manage those spreads and manipulate those spreads like much faster than interesting i could or anyone like how any many, regular person could could do it how many dgens are in the world not 50,000 true dgens true dgens yeah. not enough so i mean like then i mean like like well what do you mean like i i feel like i feel like millions no, I mean, DJ, like people that are fluent enough in crypto to go do legitimate DGEN stuff, VPN, token swap, all this stuff. I mean, the supply, the demand for DGEN culture is probably just not there. Uh, uh, I think I disagree only because I just, depending on how we define DGEN culture, right? If you Are you a DGEN because you used a VPN to buy a coin overseas because you wanted it? then that's a good amount of people in crypto have done that. Millions. Millions, well, yeah. I mean, like in 2020, 2021, it was crazy. A DGEN is short. But no, but in but in the grand scheme of pe 8 billion people on Earth, how many people did that? Yeah. Probably like a grain of sand on a beach. Probably like 1%. I would say if you look at license trading, NFTs. Less than 1%. I mean, but I, I would, but I'm I would think to contextualize the conversation here. I'm not trying to just pop in late and like be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, but I actually think it's more than, I mean, it might be low, but I think it's more than people realize because what I mean is America, well, the West, I'll say North America West 
we're we are not used to having very close countries. But when you talk about the Asian traders, they're used to going, wait, what country am I in today? Okay. And like they were doing VPNs all the time. African nations, Latin American nations, Asian nations, and maybe a lot of European nations, they were very regularly using VPNs, going to like some murky decks and trading just just because. And so I think at the peak, there was a huge number. And I even met people who were on Robinhood going, I just bought my first Dogecoin. And then they're like, I just heard about crazy Pepe coin or Jesus coin. And, and they would say, wait, I could just get on a VPN and do this, right? And that was Westerners. And so I think it's more than we realize. The US, in the U.S. and the U.K. and Europe, uh, like – up until even very recently, the number of people that I know that are VPNing is pretty significant. Uh, in trading circles, you you can't really get access to leverage if you're in the U.S. And so hmm. I would know almost all of my my trader friends that were in the U.S. were VPNing from different countries, pretending to be in different countries, and setting up accounts on these exchanges so that they could get 100x leverage and degen trade and then and then move their liquidity and then once an exchange started asking for kyc moving to the next exchange that would allow them to go uh without kyc with a vpn from the us that was a very popular thing and grant you're talking about you know institutional institutionalization of these uh kind of degens some of them that i i know have moved because there's very few centralized exchanges that are allowing us dgens via vpn now have gone to start trading stocks they were they made enough money they were made, making decent money trading crypto and they they realized they, they, they went full institution yeah they're like <laughs> oh we're gonna go trade stocks I mean, I guess, we'll, we'll go I guess ultimately the philosophical question at the heart of this is like one why is someone a dgen what is motivating that person to do things that are outside of you know, the accepted rules and, you know, coloring outside the lines. Why are they doing that? So a lot of times it's desperation, right? It's they're in a certain situation that they want to be able to, um, you know, climb the economic ladder or whatever. And then once they get comfortable, yeah, exactly. That most of the times they're going to flip over to the system that they just weren't able to get into in the first place. So that's like one. But number two, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to legitimately play devil's advocate here because it's going to sound like I'm defending Gary Gensler. But, you know, what is the job of the U U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission? You know, what is their function? Protect the consumer. Oh. Protect the consumer. <laughs> Protect the consumer, right? Oh, wait, God. wait. That's, so, so Jackie that's shows up late. Shows up <laughs> late starts to back Gary Gensler, Gensler while wearing back. a power suit. <laughs> today jackie won the internet today jackie won no, the internet. i'm not i'm not like backing him like i i, I think you know no. even in the financial circles and in the institutional circles unfortunately he's I, well i don't know he's just a guy that lives somewhere you know um yeah. but he, he's yeah, I'm just a guy kind of, that lives somewhere you're talking about him like he's like the oklahoma bomber he's not just some no, guy who lives no, somewhere jackie. Like, he <laughs> He just he just wants to live in his log cabin. Let the government be oh, alone. He is he's like right now I'm he's really he's sucking BlackRock and all of the ETF <laughs> appliers dry so that I, he has I a nice waiting. cushy job. 
for one. I'm waiting for Jackie to disappear, come back, and she's stroking another lap dog. <laughs> and she's just telling us about how Gary Gensler is just, just, just a guy. <laughs> Wait, I want to hear her thought here, though. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know go what ahead. it is anymore. I'm just saying, like, he's, you know, I get, like, regardless of who he is and how many dartboards he's on and all this other stuff, I mean, you have to start thinking about, like, why do we do the things we do? Like, what, if yeah. you're, and, and why are people, you know, VPN, most normal people are not participating in finance in this capacity. Like, that's I agree. I'm trying to 100%. say is that. 100%. I agree. Yeah. And I'm not, and, and to be clear, I'm not a very niche group of people that are like. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and my, my interest is not like, like. Man, we're getting stifled. I don't mean that. I am, I am literally anthropologically curious about hacker culture in general and, and, and where they come from. We're DGENs. Uh, where DGEN came from, I remember when we first started using this and first started popping up in some of our little groups because my story goes back to like pure DGEN. I heard about crypto because of the dark web because it was so like – it was such a paradigm shift to even talk about. And the the, the term DGEN came up because it's like, what do we call ourselves? You know, like, what do we talk about what we're doing? And it's like, dude, don't mind us. We're just total degenerates. And then it blew up for the GameStop thing. In the blank GameStop season, it was like, I don't even care. I'm just going to degenerate right now and just go nuts. And it's like, all right, DGENs. And so it became this affectionate term of people who did already know these skills. So you're totally right. It's normal. And I, I almost... Not back in Gary, but I believe in the normal arc of technology. At some point, it's inevitable to go institutional, and and we need to change that term. It 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 becomes normalized, and so I'm just curious though, like what happens to DJs out of a curiosity, like like it's like what happened to the samurai, what happened to cowboys, like what happened to DJs, like where are they gonna go? Cowboys are real. <laughs> when you identify with a term that says degenerate. Who yeah. will degenerate? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, like hackers. Like, where do they go? They just, you know, hacked themselves into nothingness. Yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> hackers yeah. are still very I just weird out there. They they hacked the Curve. They hacked they hacked people's. Yeah. They hacked Mark Cuban's wallet the other day. Strained yeah, him for yeah, like yeah, totally. almost a million bucks. And look at everything Mark Cuban's done for them in this industry. <laughs> Profit NFTs, and I mean. Yeah, he, he was letting Dogecoin be accepted for Maverick games. I mean, he, he's, yeah. he's deep in it. But, Jackie, I, I want to actually throw you the, the mic here, and I want to ask you, if you were Gary Gensler, do you think there's a way to deal with degenhood, deal with, like, crypto? Like, like, how would you do it? And there's no easy answer. There is no answer as of we know now. But is there something that you've seen Gary do that you think – hey, I would have done that differently or like this is what we need to do because I do understand what you're saying. You're basically saying, look, this is an old Western town and there's a sheriff, right? And all of a sudden we have six shooters and this dude shows up with a with like an Uzi. We don't know what that is and how are we going to regulate it, you know? And then all the people with the Uzis are like, oh, you're holding us down. It's like, I no, we just have a different tech. So, you know, you're the sheriff. How are you going to how are you going to try to regulate that in a way that's going to be good for both the people who are still have their six shooters and the people that now have, you know, submachine guns? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think most people don't actually read white papers. They don't actually. How many people really re read BlackRock's request, right, for this Bitcoin ETF? Um, you know, there's a lot of language in there that if your job 
is to be the head of the SEC, you have to comb over every word, anticipate what emerging technology that is blazing fast, that is in the hands of a global borderless world now, like it's not an easy job. And I mean, I think, you know, I would, everyone's like, oh, we need this Bitcoin ETF. And and like, I get it. It's going to pour, you know. I don't want an ETF. I don't want the ETF. Like I'm literally like praying that it doesn't get approved till like late in the year. I mean, I would literally read. I mean, sometimes people it's, it's why I'm so against the, you know, go fast and break shit. Like I, I hate that expression. I hate that mentality. And I think even with the Bitcoin ETF, people have it. It's like, just go fast, just get it, just shove it through, man. And it's like, whoa, like, has anybody really like, so maybe he's not, maybe he's not as, I don't know, I'm not going to say anything about Gary Gensler anymore, but it's a tough job. I would just say until, until everyone's read what he's reading, you really shouldn't have an opinion on like how he's doing what he's doing. I mean, I'll answer this cold. I would do the same thing. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, and and I would say that of the four of us, I probably was the first person in some of the space and I, I benefited early on. And I, as much as I have an affection for hacker culture, DJN culture, whatever happens to the type of people who do push the envelope, I would still make the same plays. I might do it nuanced different, but I would have an eye on the same net result. So maybe I approach these 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 sex uh, these dexes a little with, with a little care. Maybe I have less bluster. Maybe I would word my PR campaign a bit different. But I would absolutely have my eye on the same thing. Like we talk about, I, I know that there's a lot of murmuring about, yeah, he's just in the pocket of the lobbyist for the ETFs, and it's like, no, they're trying to actually jump through the hoops, and it's like they are jumping through the hoops and. So I, I, I agree with Jackie, but I'll say it outright. I would actually have the same course. I would probably just be less blustery about it. Go ahead, Aussie. So I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you. I think the I think most people – yes, Jared, I'm going to confuse that's, that's you. That's the most Canadian thing ever. That's yes. the most Canadian I love thing you, ever. but I got a little disagreement here. I love you, here. but you suck at hockey. <laughs> yeah. So – and so, Jackie, I don't disagree with you. I – like – I think he needs to be looking at these ETFs very seriously. And I don't want him pushing through these ETFs whatsoever. I, I think I think he really needs to look at them because I have read a bunch of the BlackRock application in particular. And there was a lot of things in that application that at least as someone who is seeing this advertised as a spot Bitcoin ETF was not a fan of as a consumer would be misleading. Um, I, at least in my opinion, uh, Interesting. However, to talk about what Grant said, yes, I want we need to move towards regulation so we don't have scammers. Like I was working in the uh, in the blockchain investigation space for a while, uh, like tracking down scammers that were stealing millions of dollars from people. I totally agree that we need to be moving towards that situation, and it's good that we that kind of the action towards FTX brought that down when it did and when Luna came down when it did because had that not come down when it did, it would have been, uh, it, it would have been even more detrimental, stolen even more millions and billions of dollars from people in the future. But yeah. I think yeah. that 
how his approach is, it's his approach is actually the opposite is what Jackie doesn't like. It's move fast and break shit. The way he's approaching. Yeah, where the way Gary Gensler is approaching it is moving fast and breaking shit in terms of how he's enforcing and he's trying to get to his path. Mm. And so that's what I'm worried about when we talk about these next uh, actions against Dex's, uh, that he's going to move fast by basically creating these enforcement actions. Interesting. Interesting. Not necessarily having enough evidence in the case to back him up. I mean, if we've seen Binance, the case against Binance US right now, uh, they're claiming Binance isn't cooperating. <laughs> Binance is saying they're asking for information that's not relevant to the case and that like he's trying mm-hmm. to be too intrusive. <clears throat> and the judge is siding with Binance. So you, you're not, they're not, if you want to move forward with enforcement, have clear evidence. Like be, know when you have, when you're moving forward, have a full case laid out with solid arguments. Mm-hmm. Grayscale, their court case against rejecting Grayscale and turning their trust into an ETF was thrown out by a judge for having, was basically for having no reason other than we don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Gary, sure. Gary, Gansler, yeah. Gary Gensler is doing the opposite of what Jackie wants. He's moving fast and breaking shit. Rather than uh, Jarrett, you looked like you had a counter or a thought there a moment ago. Do you still have that thought? Yeah, this is my thought. My thought is that yeah. I hear what Aussie's saying, and I guess my you use the word speed and government, and you are a government man yourself. They're not moving that fast, my guy. So I, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I think we're gonna be okay. In the wise words of Brother Kendrick Lamar, we're gonna be all right. So I'm, I'm really not worried about it. Like over a long enough period of time, this is, I've only had this epiphany re- like re- recently. Everyone on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it, loses their mind every day that crypto is going to end. Um, Jack yeah. just shared something with us that I actually thought was actually significant with Blockworth saying we're going to go to London away from DC. But I, I'm really like, over like in the next 12 months to 24 months, I'm really expecting the US to come out and be the leader in this space. I know that it may not seem like that right now. But I, I don't see right. a way in which that doesn't happen with what's setting up with the ecosystem between BlackRock, Coinbase, and I think the U.S. government's going to finally get their stuff together. And I actually like that they're moving slow because it's just better. If you've ever played pool and you're good at like playing billiards, when you play someone who hits the ball <laughs> slow, you're going to lose because they're going to crush you because they're setting up their next shot. They're not just trying to like get this first shot in. And this is something that Grant just kind of alluded to, which is like, they're making decisions now that are going to affect the future. And so I do agree with Yaki. Let's not, you know, let's not push this ahead. I don't see a way in which a a Bitcoin ETF isn't approved, but it's for me, it's a when, not an if, but, and I'm fine with that when even being in Q1 or Q2 of next year, honestly, whenever it comes, I think it's going to be welcome. I think it's, I think it might come in Q4. This year. You think it might come in this year or Q4 next year, Jackie. Now, listen, and, and to everyone watching and to my brothers here, Jackie's got a different position in the world now. No, no, no. Don't go into that. I'm just saying, like, I, I would just say, no, I don't, I don't have any Grant, entire knowledge. Or like, Grant, Grant got all William Shatner. I want to no. let you know. She has a different position. No, I don't. I, I'm the same. I, I, like, everyone listen up. And, I was going to say everyone listen up because Jackie's speaking. 
and and like I want to hear that. That's so, but you think Q4 to say, um, okay, <laughs> okay. No. but you think Q4 intuitively. <laughs> yeah, is that was that was that on a fortune cookie? How did you come to that, Jackie? I mean, if you follow the institutional side, which I'm not the only person that does that, there's a lot of people that yep. do. Um, you know, they've just been waiting a long, they have been waiting a long time. I mean, if people don't think, you know, large institutions haven't been looking at digital assets for the last 10 years, you're just yeah. off your rocker. Like, I mean, it's right. yeah. digitally native money. It makes sense for them. It's called modern money. I mean, it, it is just, you yeah. know, it is, it, but there's a lot to, you know, and this is where I just think financial literacy, we talked about it last week, where it comes down to this. And what I would urge DGENs to do is like, honestly, understand money, its function, currency. Why do we have it? Why, you know, I do agree why does that. it exist in the first place? It's not just, I, I don't, I think some people need to get out of the, like, the overlords are just playing games. And it's like, you know, the people, we will we will always go back to what's comfortable and what we like and yeah. what we know. So I don't think a lot of times it's the overlords. I literally just think it's us. I, I, I could not agree more. I, you know, I do think that the thing I've loved about crypto DGENs or not is it's forced people to start trying to understand money. And the funny thing, I thought this recently I've loved that about crypto. Like if you want to learn about money, go get involved in crypto and then you'll start having these pain points and you'll go, oh, that's supply and demand and and that's really good. But um, it's literally 101. It's us going back to why did we trade puka shells in coconuts? Like, and, and it's like, oh man, I know something they don't know. And it's like, no, no. like- <laughs> I'm sorry, I just want to like cut in really quick too yeah. because I went yeah. to, I put a post on LinkedIn yesterday that got- significant uh like views in my world um and it was about going to this uh at the at buff state university uh the graduate school one of uh cheyenne goes who has this cool project on cosmos he worked with a graduate student there and they were training python to predict crypto prices and the presentation was fascinating so they were following like whale activity on ethereum and bitcoin um, but what was interesting is the uh, the intern that he worked with, um, this woman just started coding in February. And at the end of it, I asked her and she didn't really know anything about crypto. Like this was like a code. This was a Python project for her. This was not like a money project for her. So I asked her at the end, like, uh, you know, going into this project and coming out, do you feel any differently about money? Or And she was like, honestly, I was just interested in reading the code. And I was so surprised by like this answer because I remember when I learned about crypto, I was like, what? Like, you know, <laughs> it, you know I went down the rabbit hole, but I, it's even interesting seeing, and I don't, I don't know how old she was. I think she was, she was probably at least 10 years younger than me. I mean, she's probably in her mid twenties. Um, but I, I guess like the, the, the younger people that I come in contact with, with crypto, they're so like in it already and they know what money is already and they, they, they don't seem to have the hangups that like the, like, I'd say like 35 to like 55 year olds have in the same interesting. capacity. The hangups. Interesting. Interesting. I'll see. I, I'm going to yeah. just counter her deadline. <laughs> the deadline, unless you want three weeks. It'd be, you want, if you, if it's Q4, it's three weeks. It's October 17th. But on this whole thing of understanding money, I think that because of inflation and the cost of living, uh, there's 
just there's a much higher likelihood that younger people have to think about this uh a house like about money. about money because we've we've got to think about you know a house when grant when you bought your first house it was probably only three or four times your salary most houses were only three or four times your take-home pay uh now they're like how old do you think grant is <laughs> well i well well jackie you missed it the one thing you did miss jackie oh you missed this, this buddy this here bad. this, this buddy bad. boy here says hey my boss likes this band called the flaming pumpkins or something the, or the smashing saying, did you say the smashing pumpkins oh. he said yeah i was like get, get out of here bro like you, <laughs> you stop this and so like i don't know if you thought i was born in the 60s or like when you thought yeah did you think born? grant got the gi bill from world war ii because that's not how old he is <laughs> i know he's got good skincare and he goes to the gym but he's not a boomer <laughs> well whatever uh it's it was probably no it whatever. was it was it was probably less than that actually the first property i bought was a four two for eighty five thousand dollars it was a quarter acre and oh damn you are a boomer and I think I think at the time we were pulling in maybe close to 45 or 50. So exactly. So you were tw twice your, your take-home salary, uh, yearly take-home salary uh, pre-tax. Here, mm -hmm. I mean, the house that I'm like, I'm house shopping right now. I'm 25. You know, most people in the 80s were probably already had a house by 25. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, I'm, we're spoiled little brats addicted to tons of things that we have to pay for. I don't even. I, I'm not <laughs> spoken like a true millennial. Dude, oh, you're an Grant, elder millennial, Grant, right? Why don't we just mute our mics and let them go? The gloves are off today. Everything Jackie has said, Aussie's like, I just disrespectfully, I, I just respectfully disagree with. Her. Like she said, she was smitten with me last week. What happened? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like I, I'm looking at, I mean, most houses in my area, and I'm in a rather depressed area financially. Uh, like to get a three-two or a four-two that's in decent shape. I'm looking at probably 400,000. Uh, the average take home in my area is probably 55 K if, 8X. if we're, yeah. if we're lucky. So you're talking eight X your take home. And that's not even considering the overinflated areas like San Fran, Toronto, New York, uh, Boston, uh, you can get Vancouver. a nice but, but, for 200 K 150, 200. Uh, I, I, I am looking at a place. I'm going to go see a place tomorrow. That's 250. Interesting. Um, but <clears throat> so it's possible it's possible but there's very few there's very few properties like like this came up and it was like oh my god they're like i was like i booked to go right away because there was not it's not nearly the the same market but correct me if i'm wrong i think you're making jackie's point you're 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 young and you're looking at these budgetary issues and money is already kind of like, no, I have to like budget and I have to understand. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is we've got to think things. about But I think that. that's what Jackie was saying. Well, Jackie, I'm agreeing with her. I'm supporting her. And oh. what I'm saying is oh. I'm trying to take it further. And the reason why <laughs> we, the reason why we have to think about money is because we have to think about those things because everything that, everything that we're talking about, like I graduated with a master's degree and I like, I'm still starting a starting salary of, what you would have started at 10 years, like 10 years ago, someone with a bachelor's degree would have started at 10 years ago. So this is a good thing that young people are thinking of this though, because when I was 18, 
and I was going to college and taking student loans out, I was like, I'll take $40,000 out. My first job, I'll probably make 60, get it paid off in a year. I didn't know anything about like taxes or like a 25 year loan. Or the fact that I would eat food out yeah, of that $60,000 like, budget. <laughs> things. And I think growing up in the like bucolic bubble of the nineties when it was absolute excess and like mass consumerism and cheap food. And <clears throat> I mean, like we, I, I feel like we lost we just don't have any financial literacy. So I know it's painful for younger people, but you're a lot better off. Trust me. I'd rather Education, go literacy wise. Than 35 or 45. Literacy wise. Jarrett, what do you got? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Jackie. Growing up in the United States in the 90s, raised by parents who were raised by their parents, who were my grandparents, who were still on the gold standard, who could still put money under their mattress. And that still paid off, right? 2008 really broke yeah. the system. And anything from that. So like for me, I get into high school yeah. and my third day of high school, or it's like the first week, September 11th, right? I go to graduate yeah. college and it's in the summer of 2009. There are no jobs, right? Then no, I come bro. to a point where I should be probably accelerating in my career. And then we have a two year other blip, which is the pandemic, <laughs> Right. Like my whole life has just yeah. been plagued. So all that's to say though, because we didn't get any financial literacy, because I don't think my parents necessarily needed it because all they had to do is put money in the market and they were getting 15% back a year, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was yeah. it. Like you didn't have to be, you just had to save or just like let it sit in a 401k. And I have yeah. many friends whose parents have millions of dollars because they've just been in a Roth since like 75, <laughs> and you know, and there's nothing special about it. Yeah. On top of that, the SaaS explosion, the software as a service, I mean, subscription services, like I think most, yes. most people, if you wanted to get financially like sound, go through what you pay every month to, you know, 399 yes. here, 1099 here, yes. 899 here, like everything is a la carte in our, you know, at least when we grew up, it was just like, you know, cable was just cable. There was like one cable, yeah. like we didn't even have satellites yet. <laughs> Yeah. All that just started coming out, but I, you know, um, and maybe blockchain, you know, will be sort of an answer to this. I, I, I don't know. Um, hmm. you know, blockchain as a service compared to software as a service. Uh, Ooh. we'll mm. see. That'll be interesting. Not crypto, bros. Blockchain as a service. We'll blockchain, we'll blockchain your, we'll blockchain your project. <laughs> We'll blockchain we your business. Slogan if we can't say it though, Aussie. Yeah. Blockchain your business. <laughs> there we go. Blockchain your business. Well, and this, this brings us back to. Yeah. I'm like, you're going to lock this, us up. <laughs> yeah. This goes back to uh, the, the point you were making, Jackie, though, that like, like P DGENs and stuff thought they knew something about money because they were learning this stuff. But institutions have been looking at this for 10 years. And since 2008, what we call modern monetary management or modern monetary policy, like what we're doing, the, the, the type of trigonometry and calculus they do, uh, it's just to manage dollars. I think, I, I think you're right. I think that we'll see this stuff come on. Like we're going to be talking on the Reddit boards and all in discords and all this shit going, it's never going to happen. And the man is holding us back and we'll wake up and the next day there's an ETF trading. And 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 so I think I think it is good how many people have been approaching financial literacy, but 
the more I look at it, the more it does feel like puka shells and coconuts relative to like, go budget, like go figure out, go figure out how much you're spending at Red Robin, son, or Tim Hortons. I mean, like, like, I mean, that used to be down in Florida. No, but I, I'm just throwing love to Aussie. I know about maple syrup. Come on now. And that maple donut. The statue maple... of Tim Horton outside the uh, Buffalo you do? What is it, Isn't it called Canadian about? Healthcare? Isn't it called Canadian Healthcare, one of the donuts that has like maple syrup and a piece of bacon across it? Isn't that like... Uh... <laughs> I, I love how, I love how Grant, Grant tries to fit in with Northerners. He's like, yeah, I was outside throwing a snowball around. He's like, Trying to find cultural things that we like, Aussie's dead. Aussie's literally dead. Um, I want to. I want to actually. I, I know we're a little over time, but I want to just call yeah, out please. the importance of financial literacy. And this is probably going to change the mood of the conversation here. But I last week I was dealing with something personally. Look, Aussie's dead. Um, I was dealing with something personally, and uh, a woman who I used to live in her home, and she'd probably not be happy that I'm sharing this, but whatever. She's 58 and she was struggling here in Colombia with debt. And so she got scammed mm. and she needed X amount of money and ended up taking out that money, but it was on a 9% daily interest and didn't realize that it would double in 10 days essentially. And then, you know, got scammed and ended up paying 2X. So let's say she go get, she, let's say she needed a thousand dollars. At the end of two weeks, she ended up paying $2,000 and getting in a new debt thing with uh, a friend. So anyways, all that is to say that financial literacy is really at like the bedrock of trying to lift yourself forward in the capitalist system. And, and nothing's- this is why I don't yeah. like your pointing at Gensler. I do. I mean, generally I'm in that camp. Forget these guys. But what Jackie's getting at is it, I don't think we should jump across. And I know that quite often anyone that's an Xer or elder millennial, it, it's just disregarded from this this point. The back in like the early two thousands, the average American back in was my two, day, <laughs> in the early two thousands, uh, the average American was living um, two hundred dollars over their income, okay. and so they were putting that on a credit card and floating it and making ends meet and figuring it out. Today, I'm sure it's way more than that. I am 100% convinced if you purged your life of the subscriptions and then also purged your life of either DoorDash or eating out, it, like eating out is, is default. And I will say for me too, it is default for me. We will finish our work day and we'll go, hey, let's just go get something to eat. And I can justify that eight ways to Sunday. But if I really wanted to start stacking sats, I totally could. And I think the so financial literacy is there. <clears throat> I mean, I'm stacking sets, but like, I mean, if I if the average person came at me as like, I can't put together a hundred dollars for Bitcoin, it's like I let's get into financial literacy to get somewhere. And where we're getting is is to realize if you're born basically in the United States or Canada, you are in control of your financial destiny. <clears throat> mm. I 100 believe that. I I would counter that and disagree but i don't think we have enough time to by agreeing with me yeah i'm gonna agree with you by disagreeing with you grant i'm gonna disagree with grant but i'm not we'll leave I'm it gonna leave it because we're already six minutes over and Garrett that... needs to make his binet chill one last time no yeah. so so jackie before you make your thing we're gonna do a screenshot for the episode image this is what we're doing now uh so everyone have their face ready 
Nice. <laughs> so Someone that just tuned in was like, what happened? Someone's just like, did the internet did break? They <laughs> They're all just like. <laughs> They've been Jack, what's your thought? What's your yeah, party thought there? Take us home. The revolution will happen in each individual mind. It is not a technology solution. I, I agree. thought you were going to say the revolution will be tokenized and I got excited, but. Yeah. The tokenized revolution streamed. <laughs> you're the token man you have a social security number man you're already on the blockchain man yeah immutable dude you have you have dna <laughs> all right shout outs let's wrap this up friends i'm gonna shout out allison she might not i hope she's listening and if she isn't i want to shout out to her because she got uh named one of the strongest women in it and oh big shout and out. that's massive and super super well deserved so i want to shout out allison for for both that name that big naming and just for being an awesome and educated person in the space boom uh jackie Clockwise. i am going to shout out brian naughton not just because he posted this comment that we didn't get to um but brian writes excellent excellent uh, he's just such a wordsmith and he great yeah. mindset and just everything. Uh, what is his newsletter called? Um, it's a Substack, but yeah, substack. Uh, I should have it off the top of yeah. my head. Shouldn't I, but look up Brian Naughton and uh, in crypto, I think it's called in crypto. I think you're, I think you're right. I'm looking it up right now. Hot off the press in crypto.substack. Yes. Yeah. 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 Big shout out there. Jared, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to shout out Binance. I thought they did a great job with the music festival I went to. And look at this swag. Oh, my God. You look like you should be a doodle. Uh, I'm going to shout out Sherry Anderson, believe it or not. Ooh, nice. who, uh, uh, she, uh, the We were sharing, if you probably missed, me and my team got free counseling. Uh, and this counseling was from uh, Working Genius. I, I already bought the assessment for my entire team and my intern who's not even with us anymore because I know she would value it. We had such a cool moment and uh, it, we had already given my internal team uh, a, a case study. So I gave the case study of us and Jarrett like talking about what we're going to do with NCB next and, and those tensions. And go back and watch the replay. I thought it was edifying. And she put me on the hot seat and I was like, oh, and it was just it was quality. And so I uh, a big shout out uh, to Sherry Anderson and Brian Naughton. I'm going to get to your comment immediately. And he just says, thanks, Jackie. You're a gem. Boom. Everyone, check us out next Tuesday, 4 p.m., notcryptobros.com. Uh, you can get our information there. Please like, subscribe, follow us on YouTube. And everyone have a fantastic day. See you.